When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the January 7th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, the NFL Week 18 episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, the COVID-19 edition of the Bacon Bets podcast. Yes, if you saw on Twitter, uh, I got COVID this week. That is why uh, this episode is coming out a day late. It turns out that going out to a crowded New Year's Eve party in New York City wasn't the smartest idea in the world, Uh, but I'm fine. I basically slept all day for two days straight on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and I'm fine. It just made me tired. I lost my uh, sense of taste and smell there for a couple days, uh, but I'm on the up and up. Feel much better today. Should be 100% by the weekend. Um, yeah, I wanted. I th- I th- was hoping I was going to get th- through this whole thing by uh, without ever getting COVID. Two years running, I almost made it to the two year mark. Uh, but living in New York City is going to be almost impossible, especially if you want to actually have a social life. So uh, it is what it is. It came. It's almost gone. We're all good. Um, so it's a COVID episode because I still have it technically. So we'll see if it's going to help with my bets. My picks today were pretty decent. My first day back to betting. I c- Took a couple days off while I was just sleeping all day. My picks today went pretty well, so maybe COVID brain is good for my bets. Uh, and I'll need it because I need a little bit of a bounce back week from last week. By the way, the road to 272 bets ends this week. We have made it, my friends. 272 NFL games, and we were placing the last... Well, I have. I have placed my final 16 bets of the road to 272 bets. Let's end on a high note because last week was bad. I went 6-10, minus 4.56 units last week. Very bad week. I think it was, if it wasn't my worst week this season, it was my second worst. Uh, I I was on pace at one point to go 0-9 in the early slate on Sunday. I ended up going 2-7, went 4-1 in the late uh, afternoon slate, but then didn't hit either Sunday night or or Monday night. I've had bad luck with COVID uh, outages and all that stuff. It seems like most of the time when I'm placing bets and something happens and the line makes a drastic move, I feel like the large majority of the time it goes against me. Did in both primetime games this past week. I was on Vikings plus, what were they, 6.5 or 7.5, and and then went all the way to 13 because Kirk Cousins was out. I was on Browns minus 3, and then it flipped and Steelers were minus 3. But to be fair, uh, even if you got the best line in both those two games, they would have lost anyway. So, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't really complain because they would have been losers regardless. 
Uh, but let's finish on a strong note. So 6-10 and 10 last week, minus 4.56 units. That brings my season-to-date record with one week to go. I'm at 142, 113, and one push for plus 24.28 units. Remember that one push wasn't on the spread. It was on Lions' money line against the Steelers that ended in a draw. No pushes on any spreads or totals this year, which is kind of funny. Um, so quick math, that would bring me up to... 166 one no two 256 so yeah another 16 would be at 272 uh yeah that makes sense um all right 16 games to go uh i'm at my goal was to get back up to over 30 units by the end of the season last week hurt but it's still in the books i need a very very strong week this week i probably need to go uh 11 and 5 to get there at least depending on if i hit my money line pick uh, but let's at least stay in the 20s. Let's not have another bad, bad week and drop below the 20s. My kind of uh, minimum goal here is to stay in the 20s. My maximum goal is to get up over 30. So let's get into it. The fi- Actually, right before I get into it, let me talk about my Falcons here a little bit because their season is officially over. Yes, they do have one game left. Um, but their season, I mean, they, they were eliminated from the playoffs this last week by losing. To be honest, even if they somehow upset the Bills, which they're up by a point at halftime, they would have been eliminated by, by the playoffs because both the 49ers and the Eagles both won. So wouldn't have mattered anyway. So the Falcons season officially over as far as the playoffs. My evaluation of my beloved Atlanta Falcons season, uh, I'm actually pretty happy to be honest. Despite the up and down roller coaster this season, despite getting absolutely killed by every team that has a winning record, despite that like two game stretch against the Cowboys and Patriots when they got outscored like uh, ten thousand and thirty five to six, uh, I'm still happy with 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 how it went. We weren't expecting much. Uh, I actually think their preseason win totals right at seven, so it's going to come down to whether or not they win uh, this week, or I guess they've already what are they seven and nine, so they can go eight nine with a win this week. Um, I think it is. What is the record right now? Because I think their preseason uh, win total was seven, right on the dot. Um, yeah, seven and nine right now. So it depends on if you got it at seven or seven and a half. Maybe there are six and a half out there. Uh, so their win total is going to come down to this year if they go over it. But I mean, I'm I'm still pretty happy. I like what Arthur Smith is doing. I think it's a successful season. The fact that he coached this team to win the games that they could have won, I think, is a good sign for the new coaching staff. They obviously got their asses kicked when they played against the really good teams. I've talked about this a handful of times now, but that just kind of showed that they just don't have the skill, they don't have the depth, they don't have the talent to be able to keep up with the upper uh, echelon teams. That's I mean, you can't. No coach is gonna is gonna turn an average team to uh, or a below average team really on paper to be able to be good enough to beat the top teams uh, in the NFL. So they won most of the games that were kind of close that they played against teams near their level. I'm happy with it. Uh, uh, Cordero Patterson, I hope he stays with them. Not only does he, uh, did the Falcons utilize him, um, fi- a team finally utilized uh, his skills. Seems like a very good guy as well. I hope he sticks around. AJ Terrell has already established himself as one of the best corners in the league. Um, I am super bummed about Calvin Ridley, uh, especially since rumors are coming out that he now wants to be traded to another team, which kind of makes me think, that kind of makes my worst fear think it might be true. Um, I'm really hoping this isn't the case, but it kind of seems like if these reports are true and if he like wants out of Atlanta, that he kind of used mental health as an excuse so he just wouldn't have to play for the Falcons this year because they were bad and then demand a trade to a good team in the offseason. Now, I'm speculating a little bit, and I don't know if those 
Um, rumors are true that he does want to get traded. It does seem like they are. Uh, if that is true, though, that's that's a that's a pretty shitty thing to do. Because, um, I mean, he just disappeared from the team. He said he was taking off for personal reasons or mental health reasons. And then as soon as the season's over, if he does demand a trade, um, that's not a good sign. That's not good. Uh, especially considering the Falcons uh, were seemingly completely okay with him taking his time. That's not good. Uh, so we'll kind of see what happens with Calvin Ridley. If he's gone, then we probably need a receiver in the draft, which is the other thing that I'm not looking forward to in the offseason. The Falcons fans are going to demand that we draft a quarterback in the first round because we're going to have a good pick depending on the result of this week's game we're going to have like a 10 overall 11 12 something like that the quarterback is literally the last position we need outside of maybe tight end right now we need a pass rusher we are dead last in, in pass rush this year we have been for like a decade straight there's a tweet that was sent out that we're like bottom five in pass percent or a pass rush since like 2008 we can't get a pass rusher like the Bears are like are cursed to get a good quarterback. Bears, no matter what they do, can't get a good quarterback. It seems like no matter what we do, no matter who coaches, no matter who we draft, we can't get a good pass rusher. Uh, that's just kind of been the the tale of, of the Falcons as for as long as I've cheered for them. I don't know if we've ever had a good pass rush. We need a pass rush. If Calvin Ridley's gone, we need a receiver. We need someone to play opposite side of A.J. Terrell on defense. We need probably a little bit of help on offensive line, but that's not, probably not going to be what our first pick's going to be. Matt, we don't need a quarterback. Matt Ryan had a very good season, especially considering his complete lack of help on offense. Let's build the team first. Matt Ryan still has two, three years left at least. Let's build the team first. And then if we can build all the pieces around Matt Ryan when he still has like a year or two left, then you bring in a young quarterback, let him sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, and then the team will all come together and we slot in that new franchise quarterback and we go win a few Super Bowls. How about that? Let's not, let's not rush. Let's not rush and go get a young quarterback because a young quarterback's not going to be able to succeed on our team right now. We don't have the support for him right now. We don't have a receiver. We have Cordero Patterson. And, well, we have Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had a fantastic year. Uh, I don't know how many yards off he is of breaking Mike Dicktick's record tomorrow on Sunday, but he probably will. Um, but still, outside of outside of uh, Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts, we don't have any weapons. So still, Kyle Pitts is still extremely young. Cordero Patterson is very talented. Very, uh, he has a very diverse skill set, but he's still not a number one receiver. We have no wide receivers right now. If Calvin Ridley doesn't come back, we have nothing. So let's pump the brakes on a quarterback for at least another <laughs> at least another year. Let's get let's get a pass rusher. Let's get another corner. Let's get a receiver. Let's get something else this year. Next year, we're still on, we're still not not going to be a playoff team. We're probably going to have a very similar year next year. Maybe beat a good team or two, um, and let's see what happens from there. By the way, I'm recording this um, at my girlfriend's place, so I don't have my normal computer. I don't have my normal uh, where I record this all my podcasting stuff. I had to download some software just so I could record record it tonight. So a little bit of a bare bones episode to close it out. But I do live with roommates. I did not want to give them COVID, so I did the honorable thing. And I decided to quarantine with my girlfriend because obviously we both got COVID at the same time. Um, so with that being said, I don't have a, a, a I don't have my theme song. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna end uh, gonna end the season without a theme song. But actually, before we get into the picks, then I do have a quick ad read. So let's uh, get to that right now, and then we'll just jump right into the picks because I don't have a theme song. Um, so the Blindsided Podcast, plan your work. And work your plan for many athletes. Saying such as this could be considered scripture. Permanent signposts lining the long road to success in sports. 
For some, the very act of pursuing a career in sports can give a sense of control, a sense of safety, so long as you stick to the plan. That is, until, of course, life happens, the kind of life that happens when you're making other plans, breakdowns, insecurity, panic attacks, PTSD, addiction, sudden life changes, ones that require an athlete to toss aside their well-laid plans and answer the question, what's your next play? Blindsided is a podcast about sports, mental health, and life, hosted by former NHL goaltender Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. The podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. Uh, I can actually relate to this. I'm going to give this a podcast listen. Uh, The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes describe moments when mental health became the most important focus on their lives. Blindside uh, then dives deeper. It gets clinical, and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a sports podcast not only for those who follow sports, but also for those who don't. So it is a mental health podcast um, launched by the Players' Tribune. Check it out. Uh, I kind of relate to all, all that, everything that it said there in the read when I was playing university football and quit. Huge life moment. My whole identity was football, and then I quit. And I went through some issues trying to figure out uh, what I was going to do next in my life. So sounds like a sweet podcast. I will check it out. Check it out. It is the Blindsided Podcast. All right, it is time for the final stop on the road to 272 bets. The NFL Week 18 episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast starts now. Oomts, oomts, oomts. Too much bacon for the pan to handle. All right, I don't, I, I don't, have, the th- I don't have the theme song on this computer. Um, all right, let's get into the picks then. What a what a bummer way to end the road to 272 bets. No no win song. Uh, no 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 theme song. Nothing. Little bare bones episode. But hey, we're going back to our roots. All right, picks NFL Week 18. Um, in no really particular order. Obviously, going to go early afternoon, late afternoon, then nighttime. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, oh, actually Saturday games. Right, there's two games on Saturday. I forgot about that. We're going to start with Broncos and Chiefs. I'm going to go Broncos plus 11 and a half, minus 110 in this one. Week 18, Chiefs do have some to play for, uh, but if they're up late, I mean, you've got to think that, the, that, that they're going to sit Mahomes. Mahomes didn't play at all in the final week of the season last year, uh, and if he sits at all, if they, even if they get up big, if he sits, that back door could be wide open on a spread of 11.5 points. And I mean, the Broncos aren't a great team, but I don't think they're bad enough to be an 11.5 point home underdog in week, week 18. They're 19th in yards per play, 15th in opponent yards per play. They are a average to below average team. They aren't a bad team for sure. Um, and this is a pass defense that don't forget kept Patrick Mahomes to throwing 15 for 29 for only 184 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception in the earlier matchup. So 11.5 points in a game that really isn't that meaningful for the Chiefs. I know if they win and the Titans lose, um, then they'll grab the number one seed. And obviously they have to win or else they're going to they're gonna lose a couple spots. But it's going to be a spot where if they're like up two touchdowns, 20 points, something like that in the second half. They're probably going to sit Patrick Mahomes. And then maybe, hopefully, the Broncos only need one touchdown after that to kind of get it back to our cover. So I, I, I just think it's too many points. Divisional matchup, Broncos are at home. Broncos defense has caused Mahomes some issues in the past. I'll go Broncos plus 11.5, minus 110. Then we got the Eagles and Cowboys. Of course, i got to keep back my Eagles. Like, I'm this season has slowly kind of turned me into an Eagles fan. 
Eagles plus five, minus 115 against the Cowboys here. Quietly been one of the most dominant teams in the NFL recently, and really nobody's really noticing. Over each of the last, over each team's last three games, the Eagles have a net yards per play of plus 2.04. I'm going to be careful with the net yards per play. I'm saying it so much, it's like becoming a parody of, of, of I'm becoming parody of myself with how much I mention net yards per play. I'm going to mention it a few times this episode, though. But last three games, net yards per play of plus 2.04. That's second in the entire NFL. Only the 49ers over each team's last three games are averaging more net yards per play. They're also climbed all the way up to fifth overall in net yards per play for the whole season behind the Bills, Rams, Bucks, 49ers, and then it's the Eagles. They're also averaging five yards per carry on offense. Very good, very efficient running offense. Now they're facing a Cowboys team that ranks 24th in opponent yards per carry. They give up an average of 4.5. Then their defense, the Eagles defense, one of the better defenses in the NFL. Third in the NFL in opponent yards per play. Um, I talked about them last week. I talked about what they do so well. They allow a high completion percentage, but they're first in the NFL by a wide margin in opponent yards per completion. So that tells me that they're arguably the best tacklers in the league. They don't allow a lot of yards after catch. They can run the football. They're fundamentally sound. The Cowboys now, I will say, they do obviously, like if you look at the two teams on paper, the Cowboys are more talented, but they haven't shown their best stuff in multiple games this season. I think that comes down to Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy is getting saved by the talent of that team. Mike McCarthy is an old, he's an old school coach. I don't think he's... um, uh, kind of kept up with the way that, that the game has evolved in recent years. I think he likes to pretend like he has. Uh, I don't think he has, though. He's, he's, when he won the Super Bowl, it was kind of like the last era of where his kind of coaching was going to succeed. Mike McCarthy's not a good coach, and I think he's actually costing the Cowboys here. Meanwhile, Nick Sirianni, I've talked about it last week, so I won't go on about it too much, but props to Nick Sirianni. He has completely... Uh, taken these guys and utilized their skill sets to the best uh, possible advantage because they're not a good team on paper, but statistically they have been a very good team. Now, when these two teams played back in week four, the Cowboys crushed them 41-21, but this was back before Sirianni really started running the football. Jalen Hurts in that game threw the ball 39 times, and he's only thrown it more than 30 times once in their past eight games. And in that game, he only threw 31. So this was still early in the season before Sirianni really figured out how to handle these guys. So this is going to be a different Eagles team this time around. And the opposite is with the Cowboys. The Cowboys were very hot to start the season. Haven't been as good lately. Two teams trending in the opposite direction. The Eagles are at home. They're getting five points. I will take the Eagles plus five at minus 115. They are home, right? Yeah, they're home. Um... So Eagles plus 5, minus 115. I think I'm on a lot of underdogs this week. Let's go Vikings-Bears. I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go favorite here, though. Going to go Vikings minus 5.5, minus 110. No way can I bet on the Bears in the final week of the season. Their offense makes them unbettable in the large majority of their games. This one is no exception. They rank 28th in the NFL in yards per play, averaging just 4.9. Even in their 29-3 Week 17 win against the Giants, Chicago still only averaged 3.8 yards per offensive play. The Vikings, on the other hand, are, in my opinion, one of the better non-playoff teams this year. Um, They're 16th in yards per play on offense. They can attack teams through the air. They can attack them on the ground. Um, And Chicago has an average scoring margin of minus 9.8 on the road this year. Um, And I don't see that changing this week. I'll lay the points with the Vikings. 
Um, it's it, it, yeah, the yeah. I I can't bet on the Bears. I just can't do it. And I look forward to not having to bet on any of Bears games anymore from now until September. Now the Vikings Bears game is the one that like I think three games in a row have taken the over and it hasn't hit at all between these two teams. So I'm not going to take the I'm not falling for that trap again. Give me Vikings minus five and a half, minus one ten. Bengals and Browns, Bengals plus six, minus one ten. Full transparency, transparency. Uh, this is a spite bet. Now, um, my father, dad, if you are listening, please skip forward about a minute, please, or turn off the volume. Um, however, you're listening to this on your um, in your truck or your MP3 player, can you please just uh, mute this for the next minute? I'll give you a second. Okay, thank you. Because. Fuck the Browns. Fuck what they did to me on Monday night against the Steelers. That was pitiful from Baker Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, to the play calling, to the management, to the fans, to the defense, everyone. That whole entire organization, fuck them all except for Nick Chubb. Fuck them for convincing me to bet on them to win the Super Bowl back in the preseason. Just a dreadful organization who looked like they belonged in the USFL on Monday night. That was a pitiful performance. They should be thrown in jail. All of them, except for Nick Chubb, my guy Nick Chubb. Every single other person on that team, management, coaching, they're fans. Anyone, if you're in the dog pound, if you belong to the dog pound, go to jail. Submit yourself to jail. Go to the police station and turn yourself in right now because that was a disgraceful performance. And one of the most disgraceful professional performances I've seen in my life. They should have wiped the floor with that Steelers team. It shouldn't have been close. It should have been 30 to, 30 to 6 for the Browns. And they lost. Disgusting. So, yeah, this is this is a spite bet. I'm not betting on the Browns again. I refuse to. I know Joe Burrow's... Oh, Brandon Allen's playing, playing for the Bengals. That's why they're six-point underdogs. I think Joe Mixon has COVID, so he's likely out too. Um, but if the Browns play the same way they did on Monday, then I could go find 11 bums on the streets of Brooklyn that could be Cleveland this weekend. They should be ashamed of themselves. That was one of those disgraceful performances I have seen in my life. Pitiful. I will back the Bengals to keep it within six. Not even looking at stats. I will throw up if I have to bet on that Browns team again for the next nine months. Pitiful. Uh, <laughs> Packers, Lions. I'm going to take... Uh, let's go Packers here. Minus four, minus 105. Aaron Rodgers and the starters are apparently going to play. Not for sure for how long. I mean, they had they have the number one seed locked up, so I, I can't imagine they're going to play for long. But even if they get up by, like, two touchdowns, I think that's going to be enough. People still think this Lions team is better than what they are because they've had some gritty performances. Dan Campbell is kind of fun to root for. They had that big upset win over the Cardinals. But this is still one of the worst teams in the NFL. Let's not get it twisted. Second last in net yards per play. Third worst secondary, allowing almost eight yards per pass attempt. Uh, if the Ro- yeah, if Rodgers and the starters go in, score two touchdowns, and then get pulled, that literally just might be enough. Fourteen points before they get pulled might be enough. They might they might go up twenty one nothing. And my thing with this game is like I don't want to bet on Lions plus four, and then either like the starters for the Packers either stay in the whole game or they just like quickly get up twenty one nothing. If they get up twenty one nothing, it's over. The Lions aren't going to backdoor this game. So I'll go Packers, minus 4, minus 105. Jaguars and the Colts. Um, I continuously back the Jaguars, and I think they're like 0-8 in their last eight games against the spread. But I'm going to do it again here because this spread is just bananas. 
Jaguars plus 16, minus one, minus 115, sorry, is a juice on that, but Jaguars plus 16. This has actually moved up another point. Um, we recorded for BetSide at our, our roundtable picks today, and I gave out Jaguars plus 15, but when I locked it in before recording tonight, it was Jaguars, it moved up another point to 16. I'll take it. Admittedly, a very stupid thing to do. Um, but I haven't been big, big believers in, Col- in the Colts all season. You guys know that. I don't think they deserve to be this big of a favorite against any NFL team. Especially, I think they're like 110 and 1 against the spread in the last 12 games against the Jaguars. Um, the Colts offense, 13th in the NFL in yards per play, 22nd in opponent yards per play. They're a fine team. They're kind of to the average, above average kind of. They're like the Colts. You know who the Colts remind me a lot of? And I, I don't think I've heard this comparison before. They're like the Vikings of the AFC, but they've just like a few of those games that could go either way went against the Vikings, but have gone the Colts way. Like, think about it. They're two quarterbacks who are decent, but are prone to make stupid mistakes. Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins, two very good running games. Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin Cook. Now we'll say Jonathan Taylor in the Colts run game has been better than the Vikings this year, but still you kind of catch my drift. Two not so good defenses. They're, the Colts are just the Vikings, except a few of the close games have gone their way. Truly. Would you set the Vikings as 16-point favorites over the Jaguars? No, they'd probably be 10-point favorites, but 16? Other than that, I mean, I don't have anything nice to say about the Jaguars, obviously. They stink. I hear everyone in the fans, are, I hear a ton of fans are going to dress up as clowns to mock uh, uh, Khan, the owner. That's going to be funny. I'll take Jaguars. Plus 16 plus 16 also i am kind of rooting for the jaguars just to win outright i think the chaos that'll cause is going to be hilarious and to be honest i don't like i just don't find the colts an entertaining team i don't really want to see them in the playoffs i would much rather rather see does that mean the steelers would definitely get in though or if the Colts? no i think if the colts lose i think the raiders are automatically in but then the chargers would have to beat the raiders to also get in I want Chargers, of all the teams on the fringe of the AFC, I want it to be the Chargers and Raiders. I would love to see if the Jaguars win and then the Raiders and Colts could just take knees the entire game and play to a draw. That would be hilarious. It would never happen, but that would be unbelievably hilarious. Uh, But no, Colts are probably going to win, but it'll take Jaguars plus 16. Uh, Ravens, Steelers. I will take Ravens minus 5, minus 105 here. I hate this bet because let's be honest, both teams stink. Uh, but I'm going to take the opportunity to fade the Steelers one more time with Big Ben. Ravens are still an effective running team. They're still sixth in the NFL in yards per carry. 36.8% of their yards come on the ground. That's still the eighth highest mark in the NFL. And now they face the Steelers who literally can't stop the run whatsoever. Um, now the other thing about the Steelers, I'm like I said earlier, I mentioned net yards per play too many times, so I'm not going to bring up how the Steelers are like fifth last in net yards per play. I won't bring it up. Um, but Big Ben's farewell was Monday night. He's done. Let's hope the Ravens put, away, put, put him away for good here. The Ravens' biggest weakness and the reason why they uh, aren't going to be in the playoffs is their secondary, but I don't trust Big Ben to be able to take advantage of a weak secondary. He stinks. He throws two-yard outs all game. I'll take Ravens minus 5, minus 105. Goodbye, Big Ben. Also, Everyone like was praising Big Ben. I know he's been around forever. Like he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, all that good stuff. And hey, good for him. Isn't like Big Ben like a confirmed not a good guy? 
I mean, I don't want to go into that that too much, but let's let's settle down on like praising Big Ben here. He had a great career, good for him. Will be in the Hall of Fame, but he's like a didn't didn't he like sexually assault someone? Like confirmed. Oh, well, I won't miss Big Ben that much. Um, yeah, let's let's pump the brakes and call him a good guy. He had a, he had a great football career. Good for him. Two Super Bowl wins. It's time for him to retire because he's hurting his team more than helping them at this point. Um, it would also be kind of funny if after all this he decides to come back for another year, though. Uh, Ravens minus five, minus 105 against the Steelers. Uh, Texans, Titans. You guys know what I'm doing. I'm doing here. Um, I'm trying not to trash the Titans too, too much because I'm kind of getting sick of my own take about it. I've argued with so many Titans fans the past few weeks. Every single Titans fan that DMs me, and there has been a, a lot of them, I've like literally like I've talked to them about it. <laughs> I'm arguing with like 12 different Titans fans in my DMs at any given moment. Um, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna state my case all over again. This is what it comes down to. What do you think is the measurement of a good team? Do you think it's their statistics or do you think it's the record? These people think, and these are all people who have either the Titans like in their username or their Titans in their profile picture. They're clearly like their personal identity is attached to the Titans. So when I trash them, they get personally offended, which is ridiculous. Like, dude, go like get an actual personality. Please take a picture of uh, Julio Jones out of your profile picture. Grow up a little bit. Um, but I trash everyone. I trash my own teams more than I trash anyone else. But, I mean, whether you agree agree with it or disagree with it, my take is that I, I don't think a record is a true indication of how good a football team is. Random things happen in a small sample size of a 60-minute game. Uh, the Titans aren't the worst team in the NFL. They are average to below average. Um, and I think that's fair when you look at them statistically. Um, also, let's not forget, a 17-game sample size is so small. So yeah, they might be the number one seed, but even though I know it's the whole season, 17 games, go look at, this is a good test. And I think this kind of explains my point the best way possible and the most simplistic way possible. Go look at the NBA standings 17 games into the season. Go look at the MLB standings 17 games in the season. Go look at any other sport that plays between 82 and 162 games in a season and look at what the standings look like 17 games into the season. I'll tell you what you'll see. Most of the good teams are going to be near the top, but there are going to be a, a, a couple of sprinkled-in teams that aren't good, but they're going to be near the top that early in the season, and then by the time playoffs come around, they'll be near the bottom. That's how I feel about the Titans. But because it's a 17-game season, you only need to be good for 17 games, and then you can grab the number one seed. If the NBA season ended after 17 games... There would probably be a not-so-good team in a top-three seed, top-four seed. But because these seasons are so long, the good teams end up making the playoffs and the bad teams miss them. But a 17-game season is so small, these outlier teams can can grab a top spot. Now, the Titans might, may even be good enough to call them like just a normal playoff team. They'd, if, you, if you told me the Titans are good enough to be six seed, I, a seven seed, I wouldn't argue. That's That would be where they belong. I'm just saying a number one seed, they are not as good as the record. They just aren't. They're not as good as a record. That's all I'm saying. Texans plus 10. <laughs> I digress back to my pick, which is Texans plus 10. Um, they've actually played better football than Texans have recently. 5.1 yards per play over the last three games. Half a yard more than their season average. Davis Mills has been playing good football, who nobody expected to play well this year. He's been a pleasant surprise. 
most games that he's played in, he's done decent. Uh, they're trending upwards. They have nothing to lose. All the pressures on the Titans here to try to uh, secure the number one seed. I'll take the Texans to keep it uh, within 10 points, plus 10, minus 110. Giants, Washington. I've uh, been, just like I've been betting on the Jaguars too much lately, I've been betting on the Giants too much lately. They are a truly, truly terrible football team without Daniel Jones. Outside of turnovers, I'm starting to think Daniel Jones is actually a really good quarterback because he makes him actually look competent. It's either that or Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm are like the worst quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. They had negative passing yards last week. With all this being said, I have to take the Giants plus 7 minus 110. Washington's not good enough to be a 7-point favorite against anyone. Washington shouldn't be a 7-point favorite against um, the TCU Horned Frogs. They shouldn't be a 7-point favorite. Obviously, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But touchdown underdog at home against a Washington team that's almost just as bad. They've actually been worse in recent weeks, to be honest. If you look at net yards per play over each team's last three games, Washington minus 1.87, Giants minus 1.2. So Washington has been even worse than, than, than people realize. Giants, because of how ugly their game was last week, people like, you. this could not be a, a better... They could Their stock value could not be lower right now. So you guys know I like to buy low on teams. They're getting a full touchdown at home in a divisional game in Week 18. I hate it. I hate the bet, but you got to take it. You got to take Giants plus seven in this spot. Uh, Patriots minus six and a half, minus 105 against the Dolphins. Um, they've already clinched a playoff spot, but let's not forget that they still are technically alive to win the division. Now, they would need the Jets to upset the Bills, which would be one of the greatest upsets of all time. So I don't imagine it's going to happen, but I don't think they're going to sit their starters here. They have too much to gain. Also, because I think all the teams with the same record right now, which is, I think, 10-6, and six, I think they're right now ranked the lowest. So I think the Patriots have the most to gain from winning this week, so I, I don't expect them to sit their starters unless or until they get up big. So I'll handicap this game just like any other week. Patriots defense, bad matchup for two of the Dolphins passing offense is a very high completion type of offense. Very get the ball out of the quarterback's hands into the receiver's hands and let them try to get yards after the catch. But the Patriots have the se- uh, the second best opponent completion percentage. So it's just not a good matchup stylistically for them. We know who the Patriots are by now. They're one of the best defenses in the league and they're a ball control offense. They're very much a field position team. Don't turn the ball over, run the football, let Mac Jones do what he can within his skill set, and find ways to win games that way. That's a recipe to beat up on bad teams, in my opinion, which they mostly have for the most part. But they're going to struggle against some high-powered offenses, but the Dolphins are certainly not one of those. Um, I'll, take the, I'll, I'll take the Patriots. Minus 6.5, minus 105. Falcons, Saints, one more ride for the Dirty Birds. My last money line on the dog alert. Money line on the dog alert. Falcons plus 160. Let's go, dirty birds. Fuck the Aints. I mean, the Saints offense has been unbelievably bad lately. I'm actually, to be honest, kind of surprised that they're this big of a favorite. I'm surprised that they're kind of favorite at all, to be honest. 3.9 yards per play over their last three games. That is 30th in the NFL during that span. Only the Panthers and Giants offenses have been worse over each team's last three games. 
Now, the Saints' defense, though, has been good, but their secondary, I keep saying it week after week, their secondary is vulnerable. Matt Ryan went 23 of 30 for 343 yards and two touchdowns in their win against the Saints earlier this year. And you guys know how much I love third down stats. I think that is a true indication of kind of how teams, how effective teams are. Saints are dead last in the NFL in third down conversion rate on offense. The Falcons are 17th. So I think the Saints are a little bit overvalued this week because they still have a shot at the playoffs. If you don't know if the Saints win and the 49ers lose to the Rams, the Saints are in the playoffs. So I think people have that motivation factor kind of handicapped into that line. I'm not a motivation guy whatsoever. Um, I don't care that the Saints can get in the playoffs potentially if they win. I I think they're just a I think they're a bad football team. They're, they need to they need to figure out what's going on offense. They have they have nothing on offense. Um, Falcons beat them already. The Falcons are now at home. Um, and I, I mean there would be nothing. The Falcons are already done as far as the playoffs go, but there is nothing that would make me happier than to see the Falcons uh, ruin the Saints' playoff chances in the final week of the season. So maybe it's a little bit of a bias bet. Maybe it's a little bit of an emotional bet. Falcons against our biggest rival. Last game of the season, we can ruin the Saints' playoff chances. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not laying points with how bad the Saints' offense has been. Give me Falcons plus 160 on the money line against the Aints. The other NFC South battle, I don't like this game at all. I'm going Bucks minus eight, minus one ten. Uh, I just don't know what kind of space the Bucks are going to be like with this whole Antonio Brown situation. I mean, it's been a rough few weeks for the Bucks with the amount of injuries they've had. God went out for the season. Antonio Brown had a meltdown. I won't get into that whole situation. Now, what you will hear is you're going to hear some people say that do not bet on the Bucks for that reason. But this is where this is my issue with the whole motivation factor that everyone likes to cite when they handicap games is that you don't know. They're all assumptions. You just assume what a locker room is like. Nobody who bets on sports are inside the locker rooms talking to the players, getting an actual feel for the room. Do motivation factors and things like that uh, play a part in how well a team performs? Absolutely. But the reason why I don't like handicapping it is because we don't know. Everything's an assumption. You can't measure motivation like you can measure statistics does it exist yes but i don't know maybe the bucks are extra motivated this week as the whole antonio brown situation maybe they're maybe their locker room's a disaster right now maybe they're closer than ever i don't know i am going to back the bucks minus eight though because stylistically i mean they're 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 obviously better team the panthers offense i just said has been 31st in offensive yards per play this season 31st in offensive yards per play over the last three games. Their offense is non-existent. So, I mean, the Buccaneers might only need to score 20 points and they'll cover this number. I don't have too much else to say about this. Last year, uh, Tom Brady did play the full game in the final week of the season, and he threw the ball 44 times or 399 yards and four touchdowns. So, I assume he's probably going to play a good portion of this game. I'll take Bucks minus 8, minus 110. Bills, Jets. Bills minus 16.5, minus 105 against the Jets. Missed the hook last week. Missed by the hook last week when I took the Bills as big favorites against the Falcons. It was 14.5, but now the line is only two points bigger, and they play the Jets instead of the Falcons. Like, come on, the Falcons are better than two points better than the Jets. That's an insult. Uh, Still first in the NFL in net yards per play. They have regressed a little bit in net yards per play recently, which is you kind of expect it to an extent because they're miles ahead of everyone. Uh, I think this is going to be a Zach Wilson looks terrible kind of game. He's due for one. The Bills have the best pass defense in basically every single metric. 
Um, I think it's going to be a rough outing for Zach Wilson. I think Bills want to get some momentum heading into the playoffs. They're going to try. They have, they still have to lock up the AFC, uh, the AFC East, which I talked about earlier. The division is still on the line, so they have to come out hard in this game. They have to come out big. And I'll take Bills minus 16.5, minus 105. Uh, then we got Rams, 49ers, and I will be making my final total bet of the regular season here. I'll go over 44.5. Heading into the final week of the NFL season, you probably wouldn't guess this, but the Rams and the 49ers hold the top two offenses in the NFL, um, at least when it comes to yardage. Uh, They rank first in that category in yards per play. They're both averaging 6.1. 49ers are averaging 8.5 yards per pass attempt. Rams are 8.1 yards per pass attempt, so that's second and third in the NFL in yards per pass attempt. So two very good, very explosive offenses. You don't think the 49ers offense is explosive, but it is. Um, I expect them to excel in this area in Week 18. Uh, And the secondaries for both teams are their weak points. Both teams defend the run better than they defend the pass. Um, The Rams um, are like second, I think, in run defense or third in run defense. And they're 11th in opponent yards per pass attempt. 49ers right behind them, 13th in opponent yards per pass attempt. Totals down at 44.5. I think that's a low number. I'll go over. Uh, you know how bad I've been with totals this NFL season. I'll add it up when I do my recap next week. Um, and I will have a recap episode next week. And I'm also going to obviously give out my wildcard picks. Um, so if you know how bad my totals have been, then you are probably going to want to go under 44.5. But I will go over for one last hurrah when it comes to totals bets. Uh, Cardinals Seahawks. I will take the Cardinals minus six and a half, minus one fifteen here. Difference maker in this game, I think, is going to be the secondary of the two teams. The Cardinals rank inside the top ten in passing defense. The Seahawks rank in the bottom ten. To be specific, Seattle is twenty fifth in opponent yards per pass attempt, giving up seven yards per throw. That's not a good sign when you're facing one of the most electric passers in the NFL, and Kyler Murray. And the Seahawks offensively have looked good at times this season, but their third down issues have plagued them all year. 27th in the league and third down conversion rating, which is where Russell Wilson actually used to excel, I think, if I remember. Um, and that's stark contrast. So they're third 27th in third down conversion rate. Cardinals are fifth in third down conversion rate. That's a big difference maker in this game as well. Not going to overthink this one. I will back the playoff team. Give me the Cardinals minus 6.5, minus 115. And then we got... Sunday Night Football, the final regular season game of the season, and uh, it's going to be a good one. Raiders, Chargers, but I mean, you guys should guess this. I'm going to die on the hill of the Las Vegas Raiders. I have been all season. I have an 80-1 to ticket for them to win the Super Bowl. I would love for them to be in the playoffs, so I can cheer for that. So give me Raiders plus 3, minus 110 in this one. Chargers team, obviously flashier, a little bit of a sexier team, but their defense... Big concern for me right now. Trending in the wrong, wrong, wrong direction. 24th in opponent yards per play right now. They're giving up 6.7 yards per play over their last three games, which is second last in the NFL during that stretch. So in in each team's last three games, the Ravens are giving up the most yards per play, and it's the Chargers at 31st. They're also dead last in third down defense. Also not good. I think the Chargers defense is going to cost them here. Close divisional game. Playoffs on the line. Winner gets in. I will take the home team getting three points. Give me Raiders. Plus three. Minus 110. 
for the final NFL regular season game for the final bet of the road to 272 bets. All right, I will recap my picks, and then we'll get out of here. And then I'll give out my five best bets, and I'll give out my teaser uh, as well. Um, All right, so we got Broncos plus 11.5, minus 110 against the Chiefs. Eagles, plus 5, minus 115 against the Cowboys. Vikings, minus 5.5, minus 110 against the Bears. Bengals, plus 6, minus 110 against the Browns. Packers, minus 4, minus 110 against the Lions. Uh, Oops, I lost my spot here. Uh, Jaguars, plus 16, minus 115 against the Colts. Ravens, minus 5, minus 105 against the Steelers. Texans, plus 10, minus 110 against the Titans. Giants, plus 7, minus 110 against Washington. Patriots, minus 6.5, minus 105 against the Dolphins. Falcons, plus 160 on the money line against the Saints. Bucks, minus 8, minus 110 against the Panthers. Bills, minus 16.5, minus 105 against the Jets. Rams, 49ers, over 44.5. Cardinals, minus 6.5, minus 115 against the Shithawks. Um, sorry, Seahawks fans. The Seahawks, that was a ricochet shot you guys didn't deserve. Uh, Raiders, plus 3, minus 110 against the Chargers. My best bets for this week. Vikings, minus 5.5 against the Bears. Jaguars, plus 16 against the Colts. Falcons, plus 160 on the money line against the Saints. Rams, 49ers, over 44.5. And Raiders, plus 3 against the Chargers. My teaser bet. Uh, last week, uh, the Bucks somehow not being able to cover 7 points against the Jets lost it for me. Uh, love this teaser. I think I say this every week, but uh, this I think this is my favorite teaser of the season. Save the best for last. Um, we're going to tease the Bucks from minus 8 down to minus 2. That crosses key numbers of both 7 and 3. And we're going to tease the Falcons up from plus... What are they? What even, what even is the Falcons? But it must be 3.5. So plus 3.5 up to plus 9.5. Um, so really it only crosses the one key number of 7. But still, I would be shocked if the Saints offense can somehow outscore the Falcons by 10 points. So Bucks minus 2, Falcons nine, plus 9.5 for my 6-point teaser. And there you have it, my friends. The road to 272 bets ends this weekend but of course next week i'll be back with i'm going to recap the road to 272 bets i'll have my final record i'm going to break down um how i did with each type of bet what teams i bet on well what were my strongest weeks things i learned things i'll do differently um all that good stuff will break down um next week and i'll also give my best bet for all six yeah six wild card games now six wild card games um and we'll go from there uh, subscribe to the podcast if you, if you haven't already. Rate it, review it, all that good stuff. I love you all. Take care. Um, whether you tail, fade, make your own picks, best of luck, and I will talk to you all next week. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. 
Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times, and stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in, but you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.